I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. To explore strange new worlds. To seek out new life and new civilizations. To boldly go where no man has gone before. Others lock up your sons. The fangirls are busting out all over. It's Fangirl Radio. Fangirl Radio. the fangirls on jackalope radio hey everybody and welcome to the latest and greatest episode of the fangirl radio show i'm your host jessica dwyer and uh tonight's episode is going to be great uh our our special guest is actually going to be our co-host with the most mr ryan stacy who will be here with three of the actors from his upcoming film that he is currently crowdsourcing uh failing grace so we're gonna have three actors and a director writer producer and all-around awesome dude that you all know and love um joining us later in the show we're really excited about that the movie looks like it's going to be a nice creepy little thriller of evil um so i am excited to have them on to talk about that and um before we get to that uh we have quite a week in geek to get through and i'm going to start off um with Of course, it's always, this is just a bad week. Um, We've had a a few losses already this year. Um, Not nearly in the level, well, I mean, it's, we're still only in May. We're still in May. Um, But we lost, it was a hard loss, this one was, at least for me, because he was the one I grew up watching. And um, we lost Sir Roger Moore uh, this week. I think this is one of the this he was the first James Bond of the modern um of the ones that everyone knows to have passed uh cuz uh Sean Connery is still with us of course and Timothy Dalton and um Pierce Brosnan uh Daniel Craig uh but and George Lazenby which is interesting because I literally just watched the becoming bond um uh documentary the day before I think Roger um, Moore passed away and uh, Roger Moore uh, was my bond Um, he was the one that was throughout the uh, late 70s and the 80s he was the he was the more dapper not as as brutish as Connery way more fun way more of a twinkle in his eye definitely a ladies man and um more not only did he do bond but he did some awesome other films and series tv series as well there was the persuaders um he of course was the saint the original saints um and um then you had of course uh he did some great feature films as well that weren't uh bond related with the folks try saying that one uh, which was a great movie, and if you ever get a chance, check that one out. It's really fun, um, and just so many more. And, of course, he did a lot of work with UNICEF, which was really, really amazing uh, and important work that he he considered some of his most um, important and just the best thing that he did with his life and career. And uh, it just is – it's sad because he he was one of those guys, and, I've you know, there was an outpouring of – fan um fan stories of course when he passed and he really embraced the bond role and he he loved the fans you know just enjoying that and and meeting them and get, and having a fun time with them with bond and pretending to still be James Bond and and being the real bond and i uh i i think that was great to read about um about that and it's just one of the, it's, it's always rough when these guys go and he had a long and wonderful life. Um, and, uh, he was surrounded by his family when he passed away and it's just, 
you know, Sir Roger Moore really lived up to that, um, his, that just really classy and, and neat persona that he had was real. And, uh, it's, it's rough and, um, rest in peace, Roger Moore. Um, you helped create an icon and, uh, in, in one way, it's very much, very much like Doctor Who, the world of James Bond, because you always have to be able to take the mantle and go with it and, and convince people that you are worthy of the title of Bond and, and convince people that you're, um, you're, you're Bond. And he did that. He, he took that over. And I believe he played Bond more than any other actor um, at this point. So it's always sad when one of these icons goes. And, and in this case, it's one of the first Bonds to go. Um, and that's, that's sad. Um, but let's go to some, before we get on to, uh, you know, I want to, I want to keep this light. So let's, let's try and not dwell on the bad things. Cause we, God knows this week we've had a lot of that. Um, and I did want to cover one other particularly bad and sad detail um, that's affecting the world of fandom and something that makes me very angry, but I'll wait until later to talk about that. Um, so uh, let's talk about something uh, beautiful and awesome, which is uh, was Vanity Fair just released their Star Wars covers. And they are gorgeous. And it's kind of neat because you have one of the first um, Asian Americans to ever grace the Vanity Fair cover is on there. Um, she's alongside, uh, I believe it's uh, uh, Finn and Poe Damson <laughs> uh, are uh, there together with her. And uh, But the ones that, that really stick out and some of the images that have just really punched me in the chest was those of Carrie Fisher. Carrie has her own cover. They've given her, as as they should, her own cover, and she just looks majestic as Leia on it. And um, inside, I believe it's – I don't believe this is a cover itself, but it's, an, it's a photo that's going to be in this collection um, celebrating Star Wars' 40th anniversary – is one of her with her daughter, um, Billy, Billy Lord. And uh, it's just a beautiful picture. And Billy is, is of course, she was in uh, The Force Awakens, and she had, like, many Leia buns on, and um, her wearing, she was wearing, and uh, she's there with her mother. And it's just a beautiful picture. And the one of, of Carrie with, um, with uh, Mark Hamill, is also just beautiful. There's, it's just, it's going to be some heart-wrenching stuff to see. Um, I have no doubt that when I see the new Star Wars movie, when she shows up on screen, I'm just going to explode in tears. Um, and it's, it's also bittersweet to hear about how the progression of the, the new films were going to go when uh, Carrie was, uh, she wanted to have a film that focused on Leia and they were going to do that. They were going to give her, I believe it was episode, um, episode nine, uh, was going to be an all Leia, um, episode of, in the, in the series of films, it was going to be really focused on, um, general Leia and how, how her life was because her point was, Force Awakens focused on Han. This uh, Last Jedi is going to be focusing on Luke. So, hey, Leia needs her, her piece of the pie. Um, and unfortunately, we're not going to ever see that. And that's very, very sad for Star Wars fans. Um, but it's also a blessing in one way because they're not going to try to recreate her digitally or anything like that. They're going to they're going to let that go and, and not do that, which is nice. Um because that's just way too soon to do something like that. And I don't think it's, it's something they should do anyway. Um, it's different with, with uh, a character like Tarkin, because we didn't have a lot of Tarkin. And Tarkin, in the grand scheme of, of Star Wars, at least to me, I don't get me wrong, I love Peter Cushing and I love Grandma Tarkin, but in that, in that mythos, 
I think you can agree that Princess Leia is a little bit higher on the totem pole when it comes to Star Wars. And um, it just wouldn't feel right at all with this. So I'm glad they're not trying to recreate her. I'm glad they're doing it in, in the way they're doing it. And uh, it would have been great, though, to have seen a, a Princess Leia film. It would, would have just been nice. Um, so those are all available online. You can see them. They're just gorgeous. They're all over the place right now. Um, the other bit of news that um, happened this week is that we randomly – there is going to be a Nathan Drake film, you know, um, which is, uh, if, if you're not familiar with, uh, with the Uncharted video game series, uh, Nathan Drake is a really smart ass kind of like if, if, if Bruce Campbell and Indiana Jones had a kid, it would be Nathan Drake. Um, in my mind, if they they'd always been talking, they'd been talking about movies like this, um, making movies based on this for a while now. And uh, I would say that uh, Nathan Drake, I always pictured in my head Nathan Fillion playing him. I don't think it's a it's a coincidence that Nathan Drake and Nathan Fillion share a first name. But instead of going with the Nathan Drake that we all know, that's you know. They've they've got him fully formed in these in these series. I just I I kind of don't understand why they're doing this, but they're going with a sort of prequel to the Uncharted games with their new film, and they're they cast the new Spider-Man Tom Holland as Nathan Drake. Now Nathan Drake in the games is at least at least in his thirties. Uh, um, and uh, uh, it's kind of weird to me that they're going this weird route with a uh, a really young kid. He's you know he's playing a high school kid. We're getting high school high school Nathan Drake, which I think is very strange, considering it just seems weird to me with a video game series like this. That's that's a I just, it's odd. It's really weird. Um, it's not like Uncharted is on the same level as Tomb Raider. Tomb Raider's been around a very long time. Uncharted, in the grand scheme of things, is still relatively uh, young. And uh, in terms of, it hasn't got a, a, a really big mythos. Most people think of Nathan Drake as, as the one that's in the game that you see who's this, like, uh, 32-year-old, 30-something-year-old guy that's a jaded treasure hunter, you know, sarcastic guy. And, um, yeah, it's very strange to me that that's the route they're going with it. So, yeah, that happened. Um, just seems weird to me. I don't understand. Maybe they're just desperate to, you know, they know that Tom Holland's going to make a splash of Spider-Man, so they're grabbing him is what's happening. Um, so, yeah, that's odd. That, that that's just odd. Um, so another piece of casting that's kind of that was kind of neatly confirmed this week, uh, and not only that, but just the name of this. Uh, I'm a huge. That's no surprise if you've listened to this show. I am a huge horror movie nut. I love horror movies. I love with the passion of a, a thousand fiery suns, the classic universal monster films. I love them. I've watched all of them probably close to a hundred times each, if not more, depending on what I remember as a child, because I used to watch them all the time as a kid as well. And I'm sure I don't remember all of them. Um, but uh, Universal, as we know, is going to be doing their big expanded connected universe. And they uh, this week released a trailer that uh, uh, put together footage from all of their classic Universal monster films, all the black and whites. And, uh, and interestingly, I thought was cool was they included a number of shots in that from the Spanish language version of Dracula. 
uh, which is uh, kind of neat. I, I thought that was a nice thing to do because that I don't know if you've ever if you ever get the chance because it's it's been released and it's on the the collections that they released of the Dracula series of films. The Spanish language version of of the Universal's Dracula classic 1931 was. A lot of people think it might actually in a lot of ways be better and kind of is um, than the Bela Lugosi version. And they were a lot – they actually shot at night. Bela Lugosi's uh, film was shot in the daytime. Same sets, all of that, same. Um, and uh, they – but they got – it was kind of neat because the uh, the female lead in the Spanish language, Lupita Navarre, uh, was a little bit more sexy with her look than um, the very more covered up uh, Lugosi version. So it's kind of interesting to see the differences and the similarities with them. And uh, I, I love both of them and it was neat to see that represented in that, in that group. Um, but they have named it now and it is called the dark universe and the dark universe has its own logo, which will be shown on the um on the for the first time with the Tom Cruise starring the mummy coming out i believe it's next week holy crap um and so they have a whole theme music now for it that has been penned by Danny Elfman and uh, you can go to fangirlmag.com and check out that trailer as well as the cast photo that they released which is the denizens of the dark universe including Tom Cruise which is interesting because he's not actually one of the monsters which keeps making me think he might actually be Van Helsing there is a very good chance he's going to be Van Helsing I'll keep my mind open they might not be they might have created a character but it seems very Van Helsing-esque to have him in the middle of all the monsters. Um, but that cool cast photo includes not only Russell Crowe, which we knew was Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. It also includes Sophia Botelia. I always butcher her last name, um, who plays the mummy. But included in this cast photo is Johnny Depp, who is playing the Invisible Man, and confirmed with this now is Javier Bardem as the Frankenstein monster, which is a neat casting choice. Interesting. And funnily enough, the um, the bad guy to Johnny Depp's Captain Jack Sparrow in um, Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Men Tell No Tells, which just came out um, this week. So that's interesting. Uh, a lot of people are wondering now who's going to be the bride of Frankenstein because that was also announced that that will be the next entry and that will be um, released. They're um, hitting that movie in, um, I believe it's 2018. So next year, next year, Valentine's Day or 2019. I'll have to double check on that. It's Valentine's Day, though. Uh, the release of Bride of Frankenstein is going to be. And um, that next entry... They don't have the announcement yet of who is going to be playing the bride, but a lot of people are thinking that it's going to be um, Charlize Theron, which would not surprise me because she co-stars with Sophia in Atomic Blonde, and she's just awesome right now. She's just blowing everybody away. She's doing really well um, um, in the film world with a lot of cool stuff that she's doing, of course. And that's mainly because everybody realized she was a goddess with Mad Max Fury Road. So, uh, yeah, that I'm, I'm on team Shirley's. I'd be okay with her as being the bride of Frankenstein. She could hold her own with those guys. I think that would be really awesome. Um, so really quickly because, um, I'm, we're getting closer and closer to our um, interview segment. A um, couple of things on TV, uh, and then I wanted to, to talk about another um, news story that's been uh, something that's been annoying me. But we'll get to that. I'm always annoyed about something, aren't I? I kind of am. Um, this week in TV, really quickly, Gotham, Heroes Rise, All Will Be Judged. Episode saw Michael Chiklis back as the um, the judge, the executioner, whatever you want to call him. I call him stupid because he, for some reason, kept letting Jim Gordon live, but he cut the head off the head of the um, Catherine, who was a member of the Court of Vows. But he couldn't kill Jim. He kept 
not killing Jim Gordon. And then at the end of the episode, Lee Tompkins injects herself with the Tetra virus, which I this whole thing is just bizarre ass. Everybody else sucks, and for some reason, I'm really digging Bruce Wayne right now. So it's kind of flip-flopped. Everybody else is just being stupidly annoying and dumb, and right now I'm digging Bruce Wayne um, in that show. Uh, of course, you know, the Joker, or the Joker, the Penguin, the Penguin and the Riddler have, are back together again. Um, you can't kill the Penguin, apparently, on this show. Everything, he's, he lives through all of it. I don't know. It's just bizarre. It, it's, it's just, it's getting in the same trap that Once Upon a Time did a lot, which is you keep using the same story tropes over and over and over again and it just gets stupid and ruins the show because you know what's going to happen so you know jim gordon's not going to die it would be you know he's they're not going to kill jim gordon you you know if um typically if it's some guy if it's a new guest star like we had with uh, James Frain, he, he's going to die. And, and that one, oddly enough, they brought him back to just kill him again. It, it, and uh, I don't know, man. It's just Gotham, just it's weird. I can't let go of it. And, and the weird, bizarre, apparently you can smell plants and they'll heal your bones from a four-story fall. Is anybody going to talk about how Selena walked away from a four-story fall on her back? should be dead i don't know i don't know gotham you i don't know how to let you go i should um and moving on to supernatural season finale that i have not watched it but i know what happens because the internet um it's it's kind of interesting um uh i hadn't found out about the big spoilers spoilers by the way spoilers here uh the big thing that happened there's two big deaths on the show actually three because i think they killed rowena too uh rowena i think is dead um crowley sacrifices himself to stop lucifer so mark shepherd's dead and castiel apparently dies and is stabbed by a sword by lucifer so he's dead so they killed off two biggies there and it's really interesting is mark shepherd tweeted that next year um he's going to be doing a number of conventions but none of them creation conventions creation as you know is the exclusive the, the official supernatural conventions are all creation based creation is a uh, convention company and it's that's interesting um so I wondered what that meant, and now we find out that he died this season finale. Weird. So all kinds of stuff happened with Supernatural this week. Jesus Christ. Um, big news, though, if you did not watch Doctor Who this week, um, we're getting what appears to be a three-parter with Doctor Who. Um, uh, so... It's kind of interesting because um, we haven't had one of those in a while. But three-parter, and it's with the Doctor still being blind, which I'm surprised they have kept this long. Uh, hopefully he doesn't stay blind. I'd kind of like Peter Capaldi to, to not be wearing sunglasses all the time. His eyes are very pretty. I like them. But Extremis was a freaking amazing episode of Doctor Who. It it was a mind screw of an episode. Very uh, interesting things happened in terms of who we have found out are the big bad, which is the monks. And uh, that they had done a recreation of Earth in order to prepare for uh, uh, taking over the real Earth. And it was such a realistic simulation that the, sim the, the people populating it thought they were real, as did we. Uh, the whole episode, and they had a doctor who who realized that the whole thing was fake and sent the real doctor a message letting him know what was going on. And it was really, really cool, very neat twist. Um, 
my takeaway from this episode, because it also reintroduced Missy, and you find out that Missy is in the in the mysterious vault, um, is that these may very well be time lords that are, I, at least to me, my, my theory is they're time lords and that they are using matrix technology to create this simulation. Um, and they are using time travel in order to do some of the things that they're um, doing in this in the next episode, which is like suddenly a 5,000-year-old, 2,000-year-old pyramid is suddenly somewhere where it wasn't before and all kinds of things like that. It it's, hints very heavily to me that they're time lords. So um, with that, uh, our next the next episode is going to f- take up after this. This is kind of really a two or three parter at least um and sadly we're getting towards the end of this season already and it's kind of scary because that means that the uh regeneration is coming soon and i'm not ready and they haven't done an announcement yet or anything so it's very strange um that we haven't heard yet yeah so doctor who catch up if you haven't yet because it's really in this season's probably one of the best that they've had in years in years so with that we are going to bring on our interview segment and that means i'm going to bring on mr ryan stacy one moment hey everybody i want to welcome to fangirl radio we actually have four people on and i am excited because everybody's coming through so clear we are here with our co-host with the most mr ryan stacy hello welcome back we haven't been on for a while so it's great to talk to ryan again um, but he's here not as my co-host. He is here as a guest with Ooh. yes, 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 Queen. Um, <laughs> he is here as a guest with the cast of his upcoming film, Failing Grace, which is awesome. Um, and Ryan, uh, before we introduce your cast members here, um, I wanted you to give you a chance to talk about Failing Grace and what you're doing because uh, you're doing a Kickstarter for this. I, well, yeah, I am. We're going the crowdfunding route. Um, we're over on Indiegogo. And, um, you know, I've been talking about this film until I am absolutely multiple shades of blue in the face because I am, I'm really excited about it. This film is just something completely different than I've ever created before. And what I'm most excited about this is my cast because I have created just this amazing group of literal characters. And I am finding the most amazing talent to bring these characters to life. And I'm, I'm very excited that a few of them are on here tonight with us talking. Like, I, I just, I, I can't wait. It's, it's, it's awesome. Yeah. Well, do you, do you want to introduce them or can I introduce them? I will let you. Well, honey, them. it is your show. So you oh, go ahead. And woo! Them. Hey, I, you, okay. Everybody, you heard that. I want it known that he just said it's my show. Everybody hears that. All right, so let me introduce the wonderful cast of A Failing Grace. Um, first off, we have Josh Miller. Hi, Hello. I am Hi. Josh Miller. <laughs> Hi, Josh. And Hi. also we have Stacy Frieders. Hello. And the uh, lovely Sarah Curtis. Hello. Well, thank you guys for coming on and join, joining Ryan. I'm really excited to talk about this because I haven't had a chance to talk to people before they filmed and, and uh, in the very early stages of a film pro- process like this. And I, that's really cool for me. Um, so first off, uh, I know we've just talked with Ryan about, about doing the Indiegogo route, um, but I wanted to talk to you guys. What um, each of you, what brought you into into this in terms of like what what made you want to be a part of this project? Let's go with Stacy. <laughs> yeah, I've been chosen. <laughs> um, Ryan had actually talked to me about how he wanted, or well first how he wanted to like write a film kind of like this and then he told me of the idea that he had and I thought it was great and it was a little different from what we had done before well actually a bit different um 
it's actually pretty complex. There's humor. Um, there's some tough material in there from time to time, um, which is what's going to make it an awesome film. Oh, and are you guys still there? Yep. I am. Yep. Oh, cool. Okay. It was really quiet. It was it really quiet. <laughs> oh, God. Did I just lose everybody? So um, now, now, Josh, you actually are, are the – you're the bad guy. So I'm really interested to hear about that. So how did, how did you become uh, attached as the main bad guy, Mr. Jack Elligott, if I'm pronouncing that yeah. right? Jack Elliott uh, is a character, and uh, <laughs> he's a character that I really, really, uh, I'm, unfortunately, I can say that I enjoy playing these characters. I don't know if that makes me crazy or if it makes Ryan crazy for choosing me to play these, this character. Uh, I think I do my best work being a little bit off. Uh, if it's a normal character, I get bored, I think, halfway through shooting a movie, and it just gets stale for me. I like being challenged, and I think it's very challenging. This role is going to be the most challenging role I've ever been in. Now, prior to this, I had talked to Ryan about two years ago. Uh, we were talking about doing this movie that he had wrote called Ladies' Night, and uh, it was kind yeah. of a frat house, frat house slasher type movie, and I was supposed to play a character in that. Um, you know, something happened. It wasn't able to get made, but that's it, it's neither here nor there. The whole point is that he wrote this script uh, and he said I was the first person he thought of to play this character because it was just dark enough and it just had a certain tone to it where you want to believe that this guy is a good guy when you look at him. He's the, he's the first glance, he looks like a great guy, but as soon as he opens his mouth, you see a completely <laughs> different animal and i love it i think it's, it's it's i'm the most excited about this role than i've been since i started acting and i thank ryan for that oh wow so ryan well, you're trying to make me cry ryan <laughs> <laughs> my god so I'm, I'm i'm coming back to you on this so uh can you about uh casting these guys and 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 uh putting this all together at the very beginning stages here. How, how does that process work? Because it's kind of neat to find that out from, from you as well, a director to be part of the I show. Mean, originally, this film was a nine-page short, and I just wanted to write one of those kind of like ten minutes of terror, like just drop you right in the middle of some crazy stuff and let you take a really crazy ride. And then um, at the end of last year when Sean and I had you know, our annual meeting, Sean Burkett, my other half at Concept Media, we have a, a meeting at the tail end of every year where we talk about what we're doing the next year. And you know, Josh brought up Ladies' Night, and that's just a, a project that's just, I think, going to languish in hell for a little bit. <laughs> and so I told Sean, I'm putting that in a drawer – and I don't want to, I don't want to F and look at it. And he <laughs> said, <laughs> I don't blame you, but what I think you should do is go back and revisit Failing Grace. I think that there is a, a really good story there. Look deeper. And um, I did. And it just amazed me that Sean told me to go look at it. And uh, just this, this story started blossoming. And so when I was deciding who I wanted to be, Jack Elegant, um, at first, I did kind of want a big hulking guy with a beard, this, this, this looming thing. But then I thought about it, and I was like, no, because then that would just make it your bargain bin slasher. I needed someone who looked like a real person and could bring this, um, what I've been calling this um, Edward Norton sexy edge to the part. And my mind immediately went to Josh Miller. And oh. I went to Josh, and I showed – I think it's – Josh, when I showed it to you, didn't I only have, like, the opening scene to show you? Uh, originally, when I read for it, it was literally just that uh, Maggie and Jack opening. Yeah. And Josh, I mean, he really liked it, and he accepted it. And I got to say, you know, Josh has been so amazing 
preparing for this part. He has altered his lifestyle and he has been working out and just really doing all of these things that I don't have to tell him to do. Josh is just that instinctive of an actor. He just does it. And I'm like, yep, that's it. All right, buddy. Keep going. <laughs> so, and, and I know that you talked, you, you described this and the, and the way it reads is like one of these, it, it's like um, Cape Fear where you have these normal looking guys that are really intense and yeah. uh, like Fatal Attraction kind of thing where, because he's obsessed with the sister of Grace or, or he, he's Maggie. obsessed with Grace. Yes. 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 And, um, you know, it, it, the more I think about this, the more you're describing. I, I, I will throw a, I will throw a film out here that if because I know you you're giving him stuff to to research before you start filming. There's a great film that stars David Tennant, which I know you guys are going to be like, oh God, she's talking about Doctor Who again. Um, but <laughs> but there is a movie called Secret Smile with David Tennant that you should totally check out. That will. He plays – he doesn't look – he looks so – he's very thin, very thin, real thin dude, not unassuming dude, looks so nice. He's a sick mofo in this, and it's awesome. Do you know what's funny? Secret Smile. Okay. Ooh. I will. When yeah. Josh and I were talking initially the first time we met up in person, um, he had come to work on Sean's film, Bessie, and we were talking, and – Josh, actually, I believe, and if I'm wrong, tell me, man, but didn't you tell me that you would give me Glenn Close? That that's who you <laughs> wanted to study? That's all you need to do with Ryan is tell him you're going to do Glenn Close. <laughs> I said I will give you Glenn Close if you want it. <laughs> Glenn Close crazy. That's what we called it. We said we need Glenn Close crazy. Glenn Close Glenn Close crazy. <laughs> and, um, as far as casting goes with the, with the people who are sitting here with us tonight, Jessica, the next one would be Stacy. And as you know, you know Stacy's been on with us several times on your show. Um, she's even gone and reported at a red carpet for you. She did. And, yes, and um, got to meet Capaldi before I got to. <laughs> Uh, you have no idea how awesome that was. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead and rub it. To the fangirls, I am forever in your debt. <laughs> oh my god, it was incredible. Him, he was great, and Moffat was great. Oh, it was great. <laughs> so, originally, and I've told Stacy this because usually I have a part in everything I do for Stacy because this is the kind of actor she is, and I tell her this all the time. Stacy will show up as Stacy, and her scene partners and other castmates will kind of look at her as though she's not a threat. Then she goes in and gets her hair and makeup on and comes out, and she is the other person. She is the role she is playing, and then she starts interacting with these people, and they really realize that Stacy's actually a great white shark in sheep's clothes, <laughs> and it's amazing to watch her work. I did not originally have my eye on her for this role that she is playing. But then something happened while I was writing it, and I was like, you're an idiot. You've been writing this for Stacy the entire time. Just see if she likes it. And I didn't offer it to her because of some things that happened to her character. Stacy's actually one of my oldest, dearest friends in life. And I just did not want to pursue that. He apologized to me when he told me about it. He's like, I am so sorry. I was like, I, I am totally okay with this. <laughs> my, well, you know, like I said, I, I, my, I've said this many times. The best thing you could ever do is die horribly in a horror film. That, that's, that's the best. We're not going to give some spoilers here, but some really, really messed up. <laughs> Boy, you're amazing. So she just told me she wasn't scared and she wasn't um, intimidated by the material and that she was really looking forward to the challenge if I would give it. <laughs> and so I did. And um, I mean, the rest is history. She's been a part of this film. She came to the table read and, you know, she did exactly what I knew she'd do with the role, and that is make her really funny and witty and 
there's just some sadness there also that I can't wait to see Stacy do because before when she's worked with me, she was the villain. She was the bad guy. And I mean, her job was pretty easy. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. I'm just like kind of naturally crazy. So it's like, okay, well, it's not hard to pick up that character and go and go forth. So Stacy's doing something different and it's really fun listening to her read to me. And she's actually moving back to Ohio this week, Jessica. So I get to rehearse her. Oh, nice. That's yes. Cool. I'm really excited. I've been really busy, but really excited. <laughs> so third part of your question real quick, Miss Sarah just yes. recently became a part of the project. Um, We've had a couple different actresses cast in this role prior to Sarah, and they unfortunately just did not work out. The production has changed, the vision has changed, and it's gone from being really kind of grandiose to a, a lot more simplified the way it should have been. And Sarah came and auditioned for me and just really surprised me because like I told her when she was there, she had a lot of heart. And that's what I, I, I really wanted, kind of, I thought Maggie needed this character who's gone through so many terrible things is that she needed some heart and um, Sarah's got it. That's oh, awesome. Thanks. <laughs> and, and this is your first, your first feature, correct? It is. Yes. I was not expecting to do like more of a leading role for one of my first films, but I am so excited and couldn't be happier to be a part of this project. The script's awesome. So I'm really pumped. That is great. So, so all, all of you guys are part of, of uh, like the independent filmmaking scene that's going on right now. It's just it's it's a fantastic thing, and it's it's growing and and you get to see movies like this that you might not normally you know have the opportunity to find. It, it, they tend to you don't get to see this kind of thing. And my my question is to all of you. Um, Sarah, you might have a harder time answering this. This is your first your first movie, but about the experience would be great. Is what's it like? You know, what is the the perks and what are some of the downsides of working in a in a small feature like this? Um, is it do you have more? Ryan, would you say would you have more freedom with this because it's a small and independent feature? I would because we have um, a little more control over what we do. I have found that when we're shooting these indie flicks based off of the scripts that we've written, we don't have to go back and change it to appease studio heads and producers and diva-like actors. Like That's what I love about working in independent film and especially with this group. You know, I've watched Josh, his career, for a while now. And, you know, it's just really cool to be able to work with him who he's, you know, he's just so hardworking and he's constantly just accruing all of these credits. Jessica, if you have not had a chance to check out the film, nothing good ever happens. Watch it because Josh will just tug at your heartstrings. You just want to give this guy a hug. I love it. But <laughs> it's, it's just, it, that's what's wonderful about it is everyone has heart Everyone has drive. Everyone becomes a part of a well-oiled machine with their eyes on the same prize, and that's just to make a really kick-ass film. Yes. And so for you as the actors, how does this how, – how is it to work with like It sounds like, you know, with Josh, you've had a little bit more – you've done a lot more in terms of, of, of work history, and, and – how how is it to work on these projects like this? These uh, the the films such like an independent. Uh, I prefer working in this scale of film. I think there's more freedom to the actors. Definitely, um, uh, I've worked with <laughs> I've worked with some directors that I don't mesh well with, and I've worked with directors that I really mesh well with. And I think the thing about concept media in general is they give a lot of freedom to their actors to build a character. I've also worked in a lot of movies where it's their vision. They see a character a certain way, and that's the way it's got to be, and there is no wiggle room. They're going to take one take. They're going to take two takes or three takes or however many takes, but it's always going to be the same way because it's what they want. I think with concept media and with Sean and Ryan, 
they will get the takes that they want, but they will give you a couple of takes for yourself to actually do it the way that you think that you want it. Not necessarily going to make it in the movie, but they're letting you have that peace of mind where you can be creative and let your creative like juices flow and get that out. And it helps a lot. It helped a real lot because I was trained as a method actor. Uh, I went to school at Myrtle Beach School of Performing Arts. And I learned that if you're going to do something, you got to take a certain amount of time. You got to put in the work to become that character. And once you're in that character, you stay in that character. And these guys are helping. They're, they're teaching me a lot about film in a way that I didn't think that I personally could. Like with Failing Grace, I'm learning things about myself and I'm pushing myself certain directions that I never thought that I could. And that's why this movie, I have to thank Ryan for that. And I have to appreciate this film and I really really want everybody to love it you know what I mean it's, it's like a passion project for me now it's turned into a passion for me that's awesome it doesn't so, happen a lot <laughs> that's great so I, I want to um, we only have a little bit of time left but I wanted to give Ryan I wanted to give you a chance to talk about how people can contribute and what um, kind of perks because I know you're giving away some really cool things with this project and, and for donating towards it. Yeah, we have different tiers. I mean, they start at five dollars, which is you know a thank you credit in the film, and I believe it also comes with a social media shout out. So we say hey to you through the Failing Grace um, official Facebook page, and then it just goes up from there. And each perk gives you the opportunity to have a DVD of the film. Of, um, a Blu-ray of the film. When you go to the $50 tier, uh, you can have a personalized Blu-ray where it will have an intro featuring the entire cast and crew stating that that contributor's name, thanking them personally for their their <laughs> help with the movie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> actually, that's something that Sean thought of on his movie Don't Fornicate in the Forest, and <laughs> they did that <laughs> with nice. that. <laughs> that's not the title ladies and gents but it's close enough <laughs> it is so we just we wanted to create something that was like our film that it was simple it was direct and it hits home and it's accessible that's what's brilliant about failing grace is it is just such a simple film but it is not at the same time when you guys say like does that make sense yeah, absolutely. Yes. So that's, you know, we just have all these different great, these perks are amazing. And, you know, you can even um, hit some tiers where you'll get an associate producer's credit or an executive producer's credit. Um, Josh personally has vowed that anyone who donates $50 or more, he'll personally Skype or FaceTime them from set, dependent on where we're shooting at the time. But, yes, he's going to. Also, uh, it's not just going to be me. Also, Mary Lee Osborne, who is also yes. in the movie be doing it she with is me. So a she will whammy skype conversation at their their choice of you know day whatever and we'll mm -hmm. do like a good it's not just going to be like hey hi we're on set it's going to be we're going to have a conversation with them it's going to be great you get to talk to everybody so i think that's a good perk that's i do too that's oh, actually really, really cool perk. Perk. yeah because yeah, a lot of sets won't let you film or take photos trust me i've <laughs> i've had to like do the old uh, iPhone out of the pocket and pray that it took the picture that I was sneaking. <laughs> I took a picture of Jackie Earl Haley's director's chair when I was on set of Nightmare on Elm Street. And I'm like, I'm going to get kicked off, but I want to take it. Jessica <laughs> the Rebel. Yeah, yeah. I was real rebellious. <laughs> if I was really rebellious, I would have stolen Jackie Earl Haley. He's very short and I could have fit him right out. <laughs> Are you taller than him? Yes, I am. Wow. <laughs> really? Uh, I don't know how, the, how do we get to here? Jackie uh, <laughs> <laughs> Earl Haley is not a tall man. He's he's probably comes to a little maybe above my shoulder. Right. He's not tall, and he's a little wee dude, and have could have fit him in my pocket. And he was all freddied out too, which is okay. I would have I would have been okay with that. <laughs> As Ryan knows, Ryan knows about me and Freddie. Uh, anyway, we're going into a weird area here. Uh, <laughs> strange, 
Um, so guys, I want to thank you so much for taking the time and I'd love to have you guys back to talk about where we are once you hit your goal. Cause I have no doubt you are. Um, I would love yeah. to have you guys on, uh, back to talk about the movie after you're done filming. And I think this, this sounds a, like a great throwback piece to those, those creepy, you know, stalker flicks from the eighties and nineties that we had and, uh, are few and far between these days. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's why I decided to make this. Please contribute if you haven't yet. We really want you to be a part of this movie. So anything and everything. If we get $3 from all of our friends, we will be able to make this movie and then some. And that's all we're asking. Yeah, we want what Josh said. Very yes. <laughs> this is what makes indie film go around is people who contribute and people who are very passionate about the film. And this is just a passion project for everyone involved so please find us on facebook even failing grace we got links for on that well we'll also be posting links to it on fangirlmag.com we'll have links on our social media as well so you guys will be out there um you'll you'll easily be able to find it if you want to contribute please do even a dollar even a dollar helps. I mean, you know, skip your skip the grande on your latte and just do like a tall. <laughs> yeah, because if you donate one dollar, Stacy gets paid. A movie. Yes. <laughs> yeah. There you go. So, d- 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 yeah, that's how you work. That's how you do it. Give them a yep. buck for the love of God. Just a buck. Just a buck. Yeah, yeah, just a buck. buck. That's all I'm asking. <laughs> <laughs> you guys, thank you so much, and um, yes, thank you. Well, oh. thank, thank you. Thank you for having us, Jeff. Oh, 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 like I like you would let me live without having guys on I would, <laughs> he would i'm just me. saying if you didn't do it there'd be no more drag queens for you i know and that's <laughs> not okay that would be so sad that's not okay to joke drag about ryan that have, drag queen fairy can i say that is that bad ryan is my drag uh, queen. <laughs> i take no offense to it so cool. <laughs> he makes them appear. He, he somehow pulls them out of the air. This drag queen, and we have Alaska Thunderbird. Oh, you said it. She said it. That that goes. That plays. That plays. Uck. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, <laughs> uh. <laughs> okay, it's not weird. You can't can't hold it. Me. <laughs> sure. Uh, sure. <laughs> Well, guys, thank you so much again. Sorry this deteriorated into insanity, which is what happened. <laughs> Brian can attest, and you can hear on our other episodes. Um, but once again, I uh, want to thank you guys, Stacy, Sarah, and Josh, for coming on and joining us. Yes, thank you. Yes, thank you so much. And uh, we will have all the links up for you guys, and we will see you next week. Hopefully, we'll be recording again on another episode of Fangirl Radio.